Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. We are so excited to have with us today Joe Timberlake. Joe Timberlake is an Enneagram 8 and a yoga teacher and also a life coach. And he's going to talk about uh, his recovery from addiction as a pathway to healing in his own life, but also talk about yoga and how that's been a transformative practice for him and how the Enneagram has enlightened him and helped him with his healing process. You're going to love this episode. Thanks for joining us. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and kick this interview. I'm so excited about it. We have a friend and a colleague, Joe, with us. So, Joe, I'm just going to uh, jump right into it. Tell us about how you got introduced to Enneagram and yoga. Well, it's great being here mm-hmm. with you all. Thank you. Thank you. Love the topics. And they really, I've been working on this Enneagram thing over the last couple of months. I've been looking at my eightness. Yeah. For several different reasons, I have some people in my life that that have brought it up, and we've been talking about their number and my number, so it's kind of timely, actually. Yeah. Nice. But so the let's just say yoga first. Okay. And let, and let me just say first about this recovery thing. I've been in recovery for a long time, yeah. three de- decades. So that's really sort of the the lead into everything we're going to talk about. That's yeah. really who I am is the recovering <clears throat> is the recovering Joe. And so part of being in recovery in a 12-step world is serving others. That's the only way we can get out of ourselves and quit thinking about ourselves because addictions are a real personal disease where all we care about is a disease of self. And so we have to break that cycle. So we serve others and help people get sober, help them with with things (coughs) that they may not be able to do on their own. So I'm I'm, I'm sponsoring a man in Tampa, Mm -hmm. and he's got a family and He's he's struggling, and then he's starting to get it, and he's really, his life starts improving, and he's like, God, Joe, this is awesome. I'm getting better. And, you know, we've been together for a year or so, and I said, well, good. That's how it's supposed to work. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing some great work here. And um, he said, i got to pay you back. I said, that's not how it works. Just all you need to do is just keep staying sober and pay it forward. Help yeah. somebody else. That's how it works. And he said, i got to pay you back. And he would not relent. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, fine. What are we going to do? <laughs> no money, though. And he said, no, I want to take you somewhere. So he takes me to a, a Bikram studio. <gasps> that was your first class of first yoga? Wow, Bikram, that that's so a hell of a start, Joe. Hour and a half. That is hell of a... And was it like classic? 108. 108. Dark classic. and small. You're one next to another. There's no Ooh. escape. Yeah. And it's like I had claustrophobia <laughs> just walk, driving yep. in the parking lot. Yep, yep. And uh, and so it's like, and the, the teacher was mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was like, you know, it's like, you know, she was coaching me all the way through. And I was like, get out of here. So I'm so like a little uncomfortable. But as the class went on, the heat was yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm a runner. I was a runner. Okay. And I, had, I was like a competitive runner. And this was feeling like something I needed. I had never really stretched well. And I had never really had been able to get still and some of those things. So this this Bikram discipline was perfect for me. And after it was over, you know, I'm talking to Kent, and I said, Kent, this is awesome. And so I keep going, and I never see him there again. <laughs> he never but came back. But what a gift. Absolutely. Wow. That's how it all started. That is great. How long ago? It's 
So that was early 2000s. Wow. And, and I ran into, they have a woman, uh, a husband of a uh, Episcopal priest that I just loved. And she and I started teaching. She was a master Bikram coach. Oh, wow. Instructor. And so I started teaching with her, and she trained me over a couple of years. And, and then she moved away and she said, you got it. That you got is it. Incredible. This is yours. And so I did it for a while, and I got too busy to do yeah. it. But uh, I've kept doing Bikram and Vinyasa yeah. uh, ever since. And you're teaching Bikram now. Can you tell us where you teach and um, what times and what days? Absolutely. I teach at Southern Soul, okay. 6 a.m. on Thursdays. Okay. And this class, it's only an hour, but we pack in about... 75 minutes of asanas into that hour, yeah. and there is no recovery time in between. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> between. yeah. It's, it's very scheduled, <laughs> very, very strict on time type of practice. Absolutely. Some people love it. Some people are like, hey, this is a little much. But yeah. no, it's good. It, yeah. And it's um, that 6 a.m. time, there's people that just want to start their day yeah, with like this. Yeah, like that. And so we're recruiting some new Hot yeah. 26 people. That wow. is awesome. God Tell me about Enneagram. Okay, so the Enneagram, around the same time. Uh-huh. So I'm, I joined a church with my wife at the time. And uh, being sort of a 12-step person, I do everything mm-hmm. kind of in that way, in an addictive sort of way. So I joined yeah. a church, and so I'm doing everything in this church. Everything. I mean, I'm on the vest. I get elected to the vestry. I do all this stuff. And then... We're teaching a couple's class, and it's crazy. I mean, I, I can't do anything like halfway. So, You're an eight, by the way. I'm yeah. definitely an eight. You're a reformer, <laughs> challenger, manager. Absolutely. High energy. <laughs> and so the couple's class, part of the text for this couple's mm-hmm. thing was the wisdom of the Enneagram. Oh, that book. That I have it on my, on my coffee table right now. Absolutely. And so... It's like, what is the Enneagram? What is this thing? And I started mm-hmm. looking at it, and we had to, and so we decided, Carol and I, mm-hmm. had to take uh, the test. There okay. was this little 50-question thing yeah. they wanted us to do, and they suggested they have, you do it, and somebody that's really close to you, do it too, <gasps> you know, for you, yeah. to see if it, it matches. matches up. if you are honest. And so Carol, and I, so I picked an eight uh-huh. right off, but I was like... 35 of my questions matched up. 50 out of 50 for her. Oh, wow. wow. For you. Yeah. She, she said, you're an nailed eight. you an eight. Yeah. And, and she saw the, the good eights and the eight wings and all that yeah. stuff. And, she, yeah. and sometimes not such a wonderful eight, but you're an eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she knew me. But we, we uh, both got into this big room. I yeah. mean, this Enneagram yeah. thing. And and never look back. It's and been never really look good. back. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. That's a long time. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself as an oh, eight gosh. on the Enneagram? Well, I've learned that I can run over people, places, situations, because I'm kind of a ready fire aim type. Mm-hmm. So in my nature, I have these instincts. I'm like my, I've got this one year old. Great Pyrenees, German Shepherd mixed puppy, mm-hmm. and he goes on high alert, and he's, mm-hmm. he's, and, and I've also got a one-year-old, I mean, a um, 12, eight-week-old puppy, Black Lab, and Bear is doing great with his puppy, but mm-hmm. he's in charge, mm-hmm. and you can't, mm-hmm. 
And when he's in he, charge, when he's on high alert, you can't really tell him anything. Mm-hmm. So that's a little. Is he an eight? You know, we we peg our dog. Like I I I have a dog who's a seven, and I have a dog who's like I don't know, maybe I don't know, seven too. But pets get the numbers too. I think bears an eight, and so is JJ. Is an eight too. This little rascal is jumping. My son's in in town with his girlfriend, and they have their two dogs. Mm -hmm. They have this big golden doodle about as big as that couch. Yeah. And and Junior is jumping up on these dogs, trying to bite them, and they're like, and he's freaking these dogs out. Yeah. And he's, you know, just a little bitty guy, but he's a big, chunky, kind of a, he's an eight, too. So you're yeah. like a bear. A whole house full mm-hmm. of eights. Yeah. <laughs> God bless all of y'all. <laughs> so what have I learned? I've learned, I've learned about myself that I tend to gravitate towards taking control being mm-hmm. you know helping people the challenger is i think is sort of the the name one of the names for an eight yeah mm-hmm. and so i'm about challenging i'm about looking for a challenge i'm about standing up for what i believe in at work yeah standing up for justice. myself mm-hmm. and and showing up for other people mm. and showing up for my puppies and and uh yeah justice and so i've learned those things but i've also learned that that i need to really manage be be aware of how I do that, and so some things in my life, recovery, one of them has really helped me mm. surrender, mm-hmm. let go, and yoga's helped me learn how to breathe yeah. and be mindful, and coaching is something that I do, and chronic pain coaching has taught me how to walk alongside people as opposed to in front of them, yeah, and so all those things have kind of contributed to yeah. getting me to a place where I can be. I can manage that and harness it because mm-hmm. it can it can be like bear. It can be way out in front of me. Or I can, mm. it's like I'm holding on this leash and that leash yeah. is me, yeah. you know, on the other end of it. And yeah. I've got to, okay, all right, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. And that's another one is that self-awareness. Yeah. And. Well, the arrow of health for the eight is the two. And it sounds like your recovery process has deepened your empathy. It's helped you to serve others. And like you said, it's helped you to walk alongside people instead of in front of them. So you've developed that relational part of the two, the high side of the two. I think that that sounds like your recovery process has really helped you to be the best version of an eight. It's something we're all still striving for, to be the healthiest version of ourselves. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Because recovery is about, if you're not moving forward, you're moving closer to a drink. Mm. or a drug Mm -hmm. and so if we get stagnant Mm -hmm. we don't really do well and and or at least i don't partially because of my personality set but recovery is about moving self-awareness take helping others and uh and and that leads me to having a better life you know and life is good when i do that the rest of my life part of me that wants to play wants to Enjoy life, be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eights struggle, I think, probably with relationships. Yeah. I think because yeah, that need for control instead of yeah. there being mutuality, there can be this yeah. power over. I really in a have to watch that. Mm-hmm. I really have to be careful with that, and mm-hmm. and I'm so self aware of this control and how not good it is, just from recovery and from everything, all the rest of my life. But when you're in a close relationship. It's uh, an eight can really, I think we struggle because we just 
we care so much about the other person, mm-hmm. and then but we we're, we found the need to self advocate at the same time, and finding that place where we can have both mm-hmm. is a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's a big challenge for me, and I'm working mightily on that. That is so Aww. interesting. We're talking about it because uh, that's kind of really bringing bringing us to my next question. So I don't know if you remember it, Joe, but it was year and a half ago, and I was teaching a class outside in the courtyard downtown Chattanooga, and you were there. And after class, I don't know how we got to talking about Enneagram, and you said, I'm an eight. And it blew my mind because Christy and I would talk about it. I have a pretty good sense of what number anybody is. And you really shocked me because, and I was, we're just sitting here in the lobby talking about it. You're so mild and you're laid back and I've never felt like overly intense with you or you were, you don't come off as dominant anyway. You are like an undercover eight. So mm-hmm. bring me to my next question. I know that eights um, are known for loving the intensity of a good argument. And uh, they can be prone to kind of black and white thinking when they argue. So when um, you find yourself in a conflict situation, in an argument, how do you tone down the intensity and the need to be right? And what kind of work has that taken for you to achieve that? Because you kind of you know, mentioned to that, that mm-hmm. there has been a lot of self, self-work. What are some practical tools that, because I think every number could use that, not have black and white thinking, not always have to be right in an argument, not to dominate yeah. an argument. Yeah. It's a little bit of a painful subject because my father, the reason I'm in Chattanooga <clears throat> is because I was here caring for my father in the last years of his life, and he was a, an attorney, 60-year law practice, <clears throat> a great litigator, but he was always right. He had one gear, and it was his world. And I had a, I did a, the eulogy for him. I did. It's like it's, it's daddy's, my father's world, and we're all kind of part of it. It's mm. it's not we're in, we coexist. We we exist at his pleasure, and so I had to learn how to live with that. And that was really difficult growing up. Yeah. And and the restaurant industry, which I grew up in, mm-hmm. was like that too. And it was a very, you know, it's just you were learning from people who who didn't have time to teach you. But you learn how to solve problems and and resolve conflict really quick. So mm-hmm. this is part of who I am. This right. conflict thing, resolution. Right. Mm-hmm. But recovery, more than anything, recovery and yoga, more than or the two of them. Side by side, recovery has helped me learn how to surrender. <clears throat> surrender my will, because the will, that's one of these, we have to learn some new words in recovery. Mm-hmm. Willpower is good, right? Right. But the will can be destructive. The will can be way out in front of us. That's part of this eight business, the unhealthy side of an eight, mm-hmm. is our will. It's like, I got mm-hmm. this, I got this. And mm-hmm. so, you know, surrendering my will is yeah. really important. And learning how to breathe and stay with that vulnerability because that's that's a scary place, you know, and, and reminding yourself that that's not weakness. It's actually a very brave thing to do to be able to surrender. It sure is. Yeah. I love, well, Brene Brown is, is like We're a my, huge fan. We're still waiting on a phone call. I am <laughs> determined to get her on our podcast. 
<laughs> this new one, Dare to Lead. Yeah. That's the my uh, company gave it to me for, yeah, for Christmas present. Nice. And so it's really, there's addiction, spoke relationship. Yeah. Well, they kind of thought it might, I think, because there's some really good stuff yeah. in that for me. So, yeah, re- vulnerability from, uh, all right, so the re- resolving conflict in a relationship, vulnerability yeah. is like, <sighs> let me just talk, talk about what's going on with me. And it used to be the old Joe was like, hey, how you doing, Joe? Well, my business is doing this. This is how, you know, this is, you know, my sales are up. And I always had a lot of responsibility. A lot of people are reporting to me back yeah. in the day. My people are doing this, and we're about this much above plan. The stocks are tra- No, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I yeah. just told you. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea how to talk about it. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling in fear. I'm feeling well, frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you know, people would start getting all touchy feely with this fear, this feelings business with me. And mm-hmm. I'd say, I'm feeling like I'm tired of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like yeah. it when people yeah. would ask me yeah. about feelings. So I've had to learn that. I've had to learn self-awareness and talk about it. Like in a close relationship, I've had to learn how to, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little moment of not so, I'm not feeling so great right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard for me. And even asking permission, permission to check that in with somebody, and this is where I know I'm growing, is when I'm maybe in a tense moment. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I just want you to know this is about me. This mm-hmm. isn't about you. This is something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's bringing up some emotion. I, of course. And so I can, yeah. I can do that now yeah. when I'm in a good spot with his hateness yeah to be able to even recognize that moment and not only recognize by voice it because that makes it real in my opinion Mm -hmm. and then you know voice it in a way that is vulnerable not with you know up in arms and your shield and your stabber or whatever the sword but say it's it's about me and i'm having a hard time yeah it is that's huge I relate to that. So being a one, it's a difficult, you know, again, I'm a one, Joe. So Christy and I, we're always talking. Mm -hmm. I'm not a crier and I don't cry, but pretty much (laughs) in every episode here lately, I tear up. Isn't it great? It's very uncomfortable. I'm trying to embrace it, Joe. So I get the discomfort of the feeling, the feeling. Well, and that's something that. I think all of us in different ways struggle with as a two, um, we tend to be more comfortable with other people's feelings and mm-hmm. kind of disown our own. Mm-hmm. And as an eight, you know, you're in the body section and you are two as a one in the body section. And so being active and mm-hmm. doing things with your body and being physical, and I'm that's sure right. that's why you're both, you both gravitated towards being yoga teachers, mm-hmm. you know, that's comfortable. But mm-hmm. to get in touch with the feeling space, that's harder, mm-hmm. especially for an eight, a seven, and a three. But I think also for a one, mm-hmm. and also for me as a two, I'm comfortable with other people's feelings. But yeah. talking about my own is yeah. hard. It's, yeah. It takes a lot of inner work, and um, we're, I think all three of us are working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so so Eckhart Tolle, the pain body? Yeah. How strange. Tension, addictive thinking can really activate our body's pressure points. Yeah. 
That really speaks to me. Well, it's a whole mind-body connection. Yeah. They're not mm -hmm. they're not two separate things. They are yeah. one and one is with the other intertwined always. And that's always. what the Enneagram would say, right? We've got mm -hmm. we've got the body section, we've got the mind section, we've got the heart section. And then we've got this circle surrounding it mm -hmm. and and that we want to integrate the mind, the body, and the heart. Yeah. And know that that circle that we might call the divine or some sort of energy is yeah. surrounding it. And then we only become whole and complete if we do the work of the mind, the body, and the heart. Yeah. And that's that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, girl, <laughs> that's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Y'all are familiar with the serenity prayer. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a reason why serenity is first. Mm -hmm. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom. So, we were, you know... Remember, I was always thinking about, yeah, i got to have this wisdom, courage. But if I don't have that serenity, that stillness, yeah. Ooh, that yeah. space, yeah. that all this good work that we're all doing creates, I'm not going anywhere. Mm. Yeah. I, don't, I might have courage, but it's not the kind of courage yeah. that's mm. going to serve me well. Yeah. I love that. Serenity comes first. I've never heard it put that way, but, but you're right. That's the first part of the serenity prayer and the wisdom and the courage come after the peace. Yeah, that's, that's good. We've got to find that inner peace in order to find the wisdom and the courage or in order to offer it as well. If I'm not still, I've got this great mm -hmm. term in coaching called the amygdala hijack. Are you familiar with this? Mm -mm. The amygdala, yes, how it gets hijacked. Well, that's yes. that lizard part of our brain, the one yeah. that's ah, the limbic uh -huh. system. Uh -huh. You know, it goes crazy. It goes into fight or flight. Yeah. And then the good peaceful prefrontal cortex that can discern, have non-dualistic conversations, kind of loving little moments, gets hijacked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the lizard. By mm -hmm. the lizard brain. And uh -huh. it's like, and we don't think well. That's why when we have these these angry moments and we always come back and say, God, I wish I'd have said it like this. It's because we're not as smart <laughs> when yeah. we're in that place. Our cortisol levels are yeah, higher. Cortisol. Everything is messed up in our system. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, yeah. cortisol moments. Mm. Yeah, I had one with my dog this morning. Oh, you had one of those <laughs> reactive moments with your dog that makes you human. I had to finally surrender. It's bear, are you going to come to me or not? And he wanted to keep playing. And he wouldn't come, and so I just had to sit down and surrender to the moment. Yeah. I am so powerless over this dog. Mm. And when I get there, mm -hmm. we're, we're better. He and I mm. are better. Well, speaking of power, um, I wanted to ask, as an Enneagram 8, you're familiar with the notion that 8s need to let go of power and control in order to grow. We've been talking about that. And yet, when I think of addiction and chronic pain, which are yeah. both communities that you serve, the first thing that comes to mind is loss of control. So tell me what that's like to do your own inner work of releasing control, while at the same time you're working with people who are experiencing pain and addiction who feel such a loss of control. Mm. So addictions... Like if I'm working, if I'm meeting with somebody, like a sponsee, you know, I have to get quiet. I have to turn that over, that whole, that whole thing over. Mm -hmm. I can't charge into it. I can't be in a hurry. 
I certainly can't have, you know, like a, you know, an agenda so much as I have to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. And, and it might be different every time. It's when, when you grow up in an alcoholic family, you just never know who's going to walk in the door. Yeah. And so you have trust issues anyway. So I've had to work with those in my own 12-step world. But when I'm working with another person, I have to surrender that control over, just like I've had to surrender my own addiction, addictive nature over to get calm and to get serene and to be able to get this whole mm. wellness thing. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to do that with me. So to help somebody else, if I'm all, you know, alcoholics and addicts, you know, they're, they're kind of a funny breed. Mm. You know, they're interesting critters, we are. And so we like meeting with somebody just like us. And we like having some autonomy. And so that, that autonomy thing was control in the past, but in a good way here, giving a client autonomy where they can get out and talk about themselves and, and, and in a pain client too, in a patient with mm. chronic pain, everybody has gifts. Mm-hmm. They have assets. They have things inside of them that serve them that have always been there, but then when they go into chronic pain, they lose their whole sense of themselves. Their identity mm-hmm. becomes their pain. Mm-hmm. They wake up, if they do wake up, or they could have been all night, up all night, and they fall asleep in front of their sink. Their relationships are, are gone. Mm-hmm. They can't work, and they're just like, oh, my gosh. And so their identity becomes their pain. Mm-hmm. So helping somebody with chronic pain that's living with this identity of pain help them find what's special about them. Yeah. What their assets are, yeah. what's worked in the past when they've when they've run up against powerlessness, mm-hmm. and help them rediscover, you know, kind of how cool they really are. That they're more than their pain. They're more than their Absolutely. illness. That you know, to see themselves as a whole person with so many gifts and graces. Absolutely, yeah. and a lot of times yeah. they want to. They, they start off by, "How can you help me?" I mean, mm-hmm. no one else. The medical community, workers' comp, the VA, whoever it is, we're working with. No one's been able to help me with this. You know, the doctors say I have no pain. I mean, there's no diagnosis for this. How how how, how can you get rid of my pain? And so we know to say we can't. We yeah. can't. We're here to help yeah. you manage it. Help you give. Wouldn't it feel good to have some tools that you could reset yourself and look up and the pain hasn't been such a big deal. Yeah. You can get on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. And they well, answer that positively right off the bat. Well, I think, too, so often the doctors that they're seeing, not that there aren't wonderful people in the medical community, but they're so overwhelmed that they're only able able to offer 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And, and here you are maybe able to offer a little bit more and to see them yeah. and to truly see them. And that's what we all deeply desire to be seen, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Doctors yeah. have, what, 8, 12 minutes? Yeah. And they're there to f- fix this person. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trained to do. Mm-hmm. We're there to collaborate with them. We meet with them, get to know them, engage with them, mm-hmm. and, they, and create this trust relationship where every week mm-hmm. they can show up, and we show up for them. And it's like, wow, let me talk about And they start talking, and then when they can find some humor, yeah, that's yeah. when we're on our way. And so that's one of our tools. We have 50 different yeah modalities yeah humor is an important one oh it's so much it is (laughs) you know in yoga they call it holding space and that is showing up for somebody and just meeting them where you where they are Mm -hmm. 
And that's a lot of times the hardest thing to do because it's not about you. It's about them. And you are there with them, whether it's pain, addiction, mistrust. And you have to stay in that space with them. Yeah. Yeah. Not where you are, but where they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. While we're talking about the dealing with chronic pain, I know you um, also help with addiction. So I would imagine you know, addictive doing comes from addictive thinking. Yeah. Two are mm-hmm. probably intertwined. So how how do you help people combat addictive thinking? Because I think probably that's the hardest thing because it's in your head always. Yeah, absolutely. In the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. there's a parts in, part in the doctor's opinion uh, back in the 30s, it was written that the disease of alcoholism centers in the mind. Okay. That's where it starts, you know. And so, you know, if you're 12 years old and you're feeling like you're apart from, you're just feeling like a mess, you know, your family's messed up and no one, you don't feel like your friends get you. Mm-hmm. Like It's like everybody's, everybody's carpooling somewhere and you're on the bus. Yeah. That's how mm-hmm. you feel if you're kind of one of these beginning. And so, yeah, you have to... It becomes our best friend. Yeah. And so alcohol, I mean, that drink, it's like, whoa. When I first drank, Mm -hmm. when I was 12, I was at Margaret Howe's School of Dance. And I was 12 years old. Were you a dancer? You have a dancer's physique. (laughs) I think you could have been if you wanted to. We all got sent to this class, right? And we're all there. And I'm like, we're all like sitting over there. And girls over there, boys over here. And of course, the really cool kids were walking over and dancing. And they could. Mm-hmm. They had a comfort in their uh, body. And it was ballroom dancing. And I'm sitting oh, there. That's the worst. I took ballroom dancing in <laughs> Russia when I was growing Did up. You? Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> I bet you're great at it. Oh, no. My, a quick interruption. The boy, so you had to have a cup. You had to have a boy to dance with. And you can only imagine how popular that was with the boy. But I snatched me one and he dropped me like a bad habit three months into it to go to karate class. His loss. Now I can't really blame him, but it was pretty traumatic. Come on. No, it was his <laughs> loss and you know it. <laughs> that, that concluded my ballroom dancing career. I didn't have anybody to dance. Oh, he so went funny. to karate. But anyway, please do continue. So I'm sitting there in this class, right? And my friend and I are sitting there. We're, we're thinking about anything but dancing. Yeah, We hadn't been paying attention. So I'm drinking my Coke with peanuts in it. Mm-hmm. That's what we used That's to do. That's old school. That, yeah, and I'm, having, I'm just fine with that. But he has a bottle of Rebel Yell, a little pint bottle. We're kids. Mm. And so he said, look what I got. And he said, mm. said mm, well, what do you do with it? And he said, pour it in your Coke. And so I poured a little bit in this Coke. And I poured a little bit more. And I drank it. And it went. Wow, that doesn't taste so bad because Coke's pretty sweet, right? Yeah. Peanuts. And 15 minutes later, I'm out in the dance floor doing the twist. Yeah. And it's like, and the teachers mm. go, we're not doing the twist. Joe, Joe, get over here. And I went, and I'm dancing and mm-hmm. everybody's laughing. And, mm-hmm. and so the dance instructor called my mom said, I think something's going on with Joe here. Yeah. But what happens, I met my best friend about this alcohol mm. thing. Baby it became courage. A, courage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I felt I didn't feel apart from I felt cool I could dance and so that was a a pretty long relationship yeah Mm -hmm. then it became my own my go-to tool my only coping mechanism Mm -hmm. and and it worked until it didn't right yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, what, tell me the question again. Did I answer that? Yes, to combat the addictive thinking, yeah. like the things Thank that, you. that mm-hmm. you do. Yeah, so the addictive thinking part it. has become part of, you know, like I, I could always self-medicate. Yeah. You know, when my mind got too busy or whenever, or I just didn't feel good or I didn't feel comfortable with somebody, I could self-medicate. Yeah. And so addictive thinking, it's like if I didn't like somebody, I didn't like somebody's way somebody was looking at me, an authority figure, this eight was starting to grow in me. Mm-hmm. And I had the answer. I always had the answer. And so mm-hmm. I had to learn how to, uh, over time, in recovery, I had to learn how to surrender, break that cycle mm-hmm. of, of of self and learn and break that cycle of always having the answer. And so that was not an easy thing. Yeah. And I remember coming home telling Carol, I said, Carol, I, you know, I, I was, re- I was arguing with, uh, with Ed, my sponsor a little bit about this third step about turning my will over. And, and, uh, you know, I'm always, cause I have, I know kind of way things are supposed to work down. I'm good. And he yeah. said, well, Joe, maybe, maybe you're not an alcoholic. And she said, and I said, what do you think about that, honey? I might not be an alcoholic. And she said, trust me, asshole, you are an alcoholic. <laughs> Just like she knew you yeah. were an Enneagram 8, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So she said, don't. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I said, that was kind of harsh. So anyway, I got it. Eventually, I resurrendered. Got it to the point where I had to learn how to breathe in yoga. I had to yeah. learn how to get in touch with myself when mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm off on these mm-hmm. runaway thinking moments yeah. and, and feel it in my body. I can feel it in my body yeah. when I'm really, really in that one of those thinking things. I, can, I, I get it in my neck. You do. I get it in my mm. gut. It's terrible. Like somebody puts a screw in my stomach and they tighten it and tighten it gut. and tighten it and tighten shoulders. it. Shoulders. 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 Yeah, shoulders, gut, and neck. Neck and shoulders. But mm. I was going to say, too, with alcoholism your story of being at the dance studio it's it's pretty common that alcoholics can remember the first time oh, yeah. they drank for the rest of us we may not remember the first our first yeah. experience with drinking yeah but that's kind of one hallmark of many of an alcoholic is that they'll remember sometimes with fondness that first memory yeah. of drinking well, christy um, you remember when you met your first love <laughs> that was my first love yeah yeah, my right. first real relationship, right? Because right. it well was my said. best friend. It, it was there when I was. It was there when I was Anytime angry. Anytime you wanted it. When I was sad, if it was Tuesday, it mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until it wasn't. Until it got worse mm-hmm. and worse, and mm-hmm. it did quit working. And the more I drank, the less it worked. And I couldn't drink. And I could not drink. And I was in a pickle. So, what would you say to people who are struggling, whether it's alcohol, drugs, even sugar consumption, but they're afraid to ask for help yeah. with whatever their addiction is? We have a lot of okay. So, okay. Um, so, the chronic pain people. Whenever we're doing a meet and greet with somebody that's nothing's working, we're the last stop on the block, and, and we got this, and we're. You're a chronic pain coach. What in the heck can you do? And so we've got 15 minutes to win this person over. Mm-hmm. And that we can, and that's a trap we can fall into that we are trying to sell them on it. We can't sell them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, let me see if I can't describe something, see if it feels familiar. So we have this thing that we work with called the cycle of pain. So your pain is f- raging. 
mm-hmm. whether it's fibromyalgia, it's a degenerative hip disease, back, whatever, a TBI, but it's, your pain is raging. It's a terrible day, and it's just like every other day. And for once, you'd like just to have a normal day. Mm. You just like, just like for it to go away, and then you get mad. You get frustrated because stress goes right along with it. You're stressed that you can't have a day like you used to have that doesn't exist anymore. So you get frustrated. And then we go into what we call fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And our body, when we're in fight or flight, produces cortisol. Mm -hmm. And cortisol does what? It makes the pain worse. Mm -hmm. It spikes it up. Mm -hmm. And it's like a hamster wheel. And so pain gets worse. We get more anxious, stressed out. Pain gets worse. And then we get more stressed out, and it just spirals out of control. I never thought about it that way. That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. And it's called the cycle of pain. And they always okay. get it. They go, wow, you just described me. Yeah. Pretty much every time, that lets them know, mm-hmm. lets them in the door, yeah. lets us in the door. And then it's, how would you like to learn some tools where you could break that cycle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just break the cycle and learn how to, and it's like, well, I guess I could try that. And so it's, it's finding some way to empathize. Like an alcoholic mm-hmm. will not listen to anybody but another alcoholic. Right, right. And so it's got to be somebody has been there, done that. And so you want me to, would you like me to share my, own, my experiences? Mm-hmm. Sure. And so we start off with something crazy or something mm-hmm. funny or something mm-hmm. or a place of deep hurt. Mm-hmm. Depends mm-hmm. on the situation. And mm-hmm. so getting, building yeah, empathy, engagement, and trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what we have to do. We're not going anywhere with yeah. either one of those types yeah. of yeah. patients. Empathy, engagement, and trust. So the empathy is, you know, to imagine what it's like to be in their shoes and to feel with them. The engagement is to, to be there, to show up, to kind of have the eye contact, the, the you know, looking right yeah. at them and they feel that you're with them. And then the trust is what? How could you describe the trust? Well, the, in coaching, we have, to, we have to learn to shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm talking too much, mm-hmm. I'm feeling I'm doing t- more work than the client. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. And so mm-hmm. it's really, it settles into about 80-20. They're doing 80%. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. And we're making reflections, mm-hmm. asking open any questions. Just, just not really guiding, mm-hmm. not steering, mm-hmm. but collaborating. Mm-hmm. And engaging and mm-hmm. and walking right along beside them, mm-hmm. and so when we can do that, so it's like somebody's they show up and they're angry, they have pain flares, they're mad at their family, and it's like maybe a good refl- rather than saying, "Oh, I'm sorry," because cheerleading doesn't work mm-hmm. for either one of these people. Mm-hmm. It's like you've had a terrible week, yeah. or you've had a stressful week. Yeah. yeah, well, tell me more. Our best go-to lead in for coaching is tell me more yeah but yeah. we got to get them to tell us tell us more and you talked about meeting clients where they are earlier yeah. well we, there's a uh, there's a study called the trans theoretical model and there's yeah. seven stages of pain seven stages and we mm-hmm. meet them where they are and the first one is pre-contemplation mm-hmm. and we get a lot of clients in pre-contemplation can like, you elaborate on that what is that well, contemplation is like step two. Sure. That's when you're thinking about right. maybe considering trying to change. Uh, Pre-contemplation, you're not even thinking about change. Thinking. You're here because mm-hmm. you got ordered by the courts, mm-hmm. nudged mm-hmm. from the judge, mm-hmm. or 
your your uh, your your nurse case manager is is scripted you to meet with these pain coaches. Yeah, yeah. Like I, as a therapist, I have people who come to my office because their spouse said you need to go to therapy, but they don't really want to be there. So if they don't want to be there, they're not ready for change, right? It's got to be their yeah. decision. It's got to be. It's just like an alcoholic. You know, they can be pushed to go to rehab, but if they're not ready to say, truly, I am an alcoholic, yeah. I surrender, then they're not going to change, right? So it's like, yeah, the pre-contemplation <laughs> and contemplation, it's its a big thing big as far thing. as whether people are ready. So we meet them where they are. Yeah. That's fine. We yeah. just ride a lot right alongside them. And yeah. sometimes we use a reflection called a... Uh, it's a reflection. It's a particular one that you have to have. The, it has to be the right moment. And, and, and amplified, an amplified reflection, reflection is simply saying after a certain amount of this stuff that goes on where they're not ready and they just keep fighting you and they just rebel. Mm-hmm. After a while, maybe the only thing we can say is you might not be ready. You may mm-hmm. be just fine with this life you're leading. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> Tell me more. And sometimes we can yeah. help jump sh- start with somebody with a kind of a catty little yeah. reflection like that. But we don't use that too much. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. use we use double sided reflection. Is starting with you had a really lousy week, but mm-hmm. you're here. But so you're here. Af- and you're here. And meeting people where affirmations they are and, and feeling with them. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Affirmations are so different from cheerleading because an affirmation mm-hmm. is a particular skill or or something g- good that they're doing, like, you really showed great perseverance this mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I'm so happy for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have to learn all that. Yeah. If, if your favorite word is awesome, you struggle with, I mm. struggle with cheerleading, and that's one of our things we can't do in coaching. We, yeah. have, to, we have to engage. I've had to be careful as a two with that because I'm an yeah. op- I'm it's an optimist. Yeah. You know, the, the the twos are pretty optimistic. The sevens are pretty optimistic. Nines <laughs> are pretty optimistic, and so any of us who are coaches or therapists or in that world have to be very careful to meet the person where they are. So if their energy is that they're down, we've yeah. got we can't be this bubbly force, yeah. right? Yeah. Like because that's not where they are. And yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And an alcoholic. It's a little different. It's the same but different. They're funny creatures. An alcoholic doesn't seek change because it's a good career decision. It's mm-hmm. good for their family, their health. They don't care about any of that. Yeah. And you can't scare an alcoholic. Yeah. Because yeah. they are so, this addiction thing is so pervasive. They have to hit their own bottom, a messy bottom, and it has. they have to self-implode to where they're just like, ah. Oh, they're yeah. in, in that place of, total like i i can't do this anymore and some of them never get there they never get there well and i think whether you're a coach or a yoga teacher or a therapist the truth is like we can only be with other people in their pain as much as we've been in our own pain right Mm -hmm. like we can't lead people any further than we've gone right right and and so i've got to do my inner work and, and especially as a two you know, eights as well, we have to, like, look at that pain, yeah. right, yeah. in order to help other people with theirs. So that's big. Hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that that was just part one of our interview with Joe, so you will get to hear part two very soon. 
But also after this advertisement, stay tuned for the meditation. We always end every episode with a meditation. So check that out. And thanks for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. For our meditation today, we're going to do a loving kindness meditation. Let's start with the breath, deep breath in through the nose. Big exhale out through the mouth. Again, breathing in. Breathing out. Maybe you soften and close the eyes. And then as you close the eyes in your mind's eye, see yourself. See your face. And then say to yourself, may I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe. May I be well in mind, body, and spirit. May I be happy. And then imagine somebody in your life as you continue to breathe. Someone in your life who is having a hard time right now. Now see that person in your mind's eye. See their face their smile and then say to them may you be filled with loving kindness may you be safe may you be well in mind body and spirit may you be happy and then imagine a place in the world a place that is hurting see that place in your mind's eye And then say to that place, may you be filled with loving kindness. May you be safe. May you be well in mind, in body, and in spirit. May you be happy. If you've left the breath, come back to the breath. And then imagine in your mind's eye, somebody that there's tension with somebody that maybe it's even hard for you to visualize them but if you can see their face see this person that you feel a sense of disharmony with and if you can say to them may you be filled with loving kindness may you be safe may you be well in mind body and spirit may you be happy then find a deep breath in through the nose a big exhale out I know that the light in me sees and honors the light in you namaste